thought we would get to five. Even after four, I think there were lingering questions. A five-episode mission. Now that we've gotten to five, we can get into syndication. Oh, yeah. It's a testament to our ability to keep going and really be oblivious to what people think. Exactly. Well, I've been working on that for my entire life, so I'm glad to kind of clue you in. That's true. You're the you're the expert. You're the master <laughs> of, of being oblivious to what people... Okay, so I'm Don Steinberg. You are Vance Lemkul. That's right. Um, so um, later in the show, we're going to do something big, oh and God. it's actually the thing that I always thought this program was supposed to do, which is we made vegan meals at home, some dishes that a vegan sympathizer can try to make and eat at home, and then we're going to share those with the listeners to show the cornucopia of delicious things that you can eat and still kind of comply with all the vegan regulations. Yeah, exactly. It's all about compliance. So um, we're going to do, you know, finally getting to do that five episodes in. We've done a lot of tasting outside um, at different places, which is fine. But now we're going to show um, what you can make with the delicious fruits and vegetables, spices. I don't know. It's a surprise, right? We haven't told each other what we what we have cooked. Um, and we're That's going right. to eat. We're going to we're going to we're on Zoom right now, even though people can't see. We're going to show each other our food. Right. And um, eat it separately because one of the joys of cooking is not sharing it with anybody. Okay, beautiful. As usual, um, we'll start with a little topical conversation. Beautiful. Oh, oh, um, we have a website. Yeah. I think we're going to go with the the um, the URL vegansympathizer.com. Very crafty. If that if that works, I, it's the best thing I could I could think of. It will have all the audio of all the episodes and some notes. And if you like write something crazy about veganism, yeah, we can we can do. post that. Okay. And other stuff, just crazy news. Um, you know, I did see a survey that said more people were eating plant-based food during COVID, or more plants were eating people. I forget which way it went. I don't think there was anything about plants eating people, Don. So yeah, so it was I'm, it I'm was Americans eating less meat or more plants during the pandemic. The survey was. Funded by the, the vegan industry. Big vegan. Big V. Now, there are tentacles everywhere. I mean, I, I wrote a uh, an op-ed that I submitted to a local newspaper that shall remain nameless, and it was not picked up. This was back in April, late April, I think, about how everything's changed. Um, we know that we're not going to go back to how things were, so now it's actually an opportunity to say, now that everything's, like, up in the air... Maybe we should decide on some things and try to get this more the way we want them to be. Uh, yeah, you could submit that to the Vegan Sympathizer website and maybe we'll consider it. <laughs> and I don't want to get your hopes up. The bigger question for me is, you know how sometimes in your life you'll hear something or read something and it, it doesn't make sense for, for a minute. And then you start thinking about it and then it totally alters your conception of like the way the world works and you're like oh oh yeah, yeah yeah and and so for instance i grew up a huge sports fan and and when i heard someone say i think it was actually quoting like a jerry seinfeld routine but he said well what are you rooting for when you're rooting for you know your home team the the players keep changing um the 
the stadiums change, the teams move from one city to another. What you're really cheering for is whoever is wearing that uniform uh, of your team, and you're cheering. We're cheering for laundry, right. and I was like, no, no, no. And then I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess kind of. That's true. <laughs> right. And it changes your whole perception, and even things like in school when we were kids in science class, we learned that like the tongue has all these taste buds and different parts of the tongue and the sweet is in the front, the salty on the side. And then like, like more recently they're like, nah, nah, forget it. It's just one, one big tongue. Right. Well, so then last time we talked, you said something that, that had a similar kind of effect and it really shook the way I was perceiving the world and spun my head around a little. Wow. Well, what was that? I don't really remember, but I know it was interesting. <laughs> no, it, you said, you, you said um, veganism is not about food. Hey, that's true. And I was like, no, what do you, uh, uh, okay, explain. Yeah, no, veganism is about a relationship of uh, the human population to uh, basically all other populations, including uh, non-sentient beings such as mushrooms and plants and so forth. But the key situation in which humans have a uh, kind of a bad situation going on is in our relationship to animals, which uh, is largely because animals are creatures like us that walk around and do things and have intentionality and make decisions and, and, uh, so we use them to do things, and one of the things that we use them to do is to process protein from, you know, a large amount of plant uh, protein to a small amount of animal protein. And veganism says, you know, this is not uh, really defensible because we don't need to do this, and, um, you know, that is one of the main things that we do that is unjust in our relationship to animals. But there are, there are other ways that animals are used that uh, that need to uh, need to go by the wayside, and the, uh, you know the next probably number two, but trying harder is clothing. Uh, you know, vegans don't wear leather, they don't wear wool, they don't wear silk, uh, because all of those involve using animals against their will simply as a resource rather than. Uh, relating to them as persons in terms of consciousness animals are persons so wait animals are people i see that's up to your how you want to use the word people but okay i will say animals are persons persons of interest and and the what they're persons of interest <laughs> well they're persons with interests and that's exactly the thing because they're persons they have interests they have an interest in their own life they have an interest in not feeling pain. And when we do things to abrogate those interests, we should have a good reason. And really the reason that we have is, well, everybody does it. This is what we've always done. I don't know. Another issue, however, is animals in entertainment, which I would like to get into eventually, but you're looking like you, you need to say something. I was going to say that's not the first time you've used the word abrogate <laughs> and I'm putting you on notice. <laughs> uh, I, so if, it's one of those things that, right, it's one of those things we've always accepted. You grow up and, and maybe you grow up and your your friends are into like 
steer wrestling and well yeah they castrate the cows and they tackle them and they fight with them and and then and people watch and well right and of course it's funny how people in people who are removed from say a western culture a rural western rural culture tend to look at that and say well that's crazy man they've grown up in a certain kind of paradigm where it's just perfectly normal thing to do on a you know friday night or whenever to just that would be your uh, a, a kind of entertainment that you was just like the water that you were swimming in um and that brings me to the the point that i wanted to make about your what is a sport article yeah you asked me to show you an article i wrote yeah. years ago about kind of a, my mathematical formula for what is a sport because basically I was trying to prove that golf was a game and not, not as much of a sport. Right. Um, well, that, and let me just say at the outset that the reason that I'm saying this now rather than when that came out is that it was such a good article that I didn't want to step on it by saying, Don, you're completely wrong. But you're completely wrong, Don. Um, about no, what? Well, in including anything that has to do with uh, using captive animals because uh, one of the, you have these criteria, uh, these four different uh, factors that, you know, can be greater or lesser that you evaluate these things on, putting them together, you did a great job of that, but, but you include uh, things like bull riding and horse racing, which, right. um, which violate a tenet of sport that you haven't declared. Because it's so obvious, again, it's like the water that you swim in if you're a fish. And that is a sport, is a game where participants agree to play the game, they know the rules of the game, and they play according to their knowledge of the rules. And these sports that involve animals, that's not true of the animals. The animals haven't agreed to be there, they're forced to be there, they can never know the rules of the game like the human participants and so they can't participate in a way that is that ha has anything sportsmanlike about it they are there specifically because they're persons they're not pieces of equipment which you use because they do you hope the same thing every time you hope that it, like a piece of a glove or a helmet or something is going to perform exactly the way that you expect it to animals are, are part of these sports because they are unpredictable and because they have their own minds. Yeah. And that's it. I was going to say that, you know, a horse, a horse in a horse race, it was just because they didn't invent race cars yet. Right. <laughs> right. And there's plenty of things that are like that in that veganism addresses and says, you know, this might have made sense 150, 200 years ago in, you know, the, if you made a case that you needed this, Horse racing you didn't need, but there are other things that you might say you needed. But it sure as hell doesn't make sense now. We were, uh, well, my my measurement was based on the human effort and human competition. So right. two guys who are trying to um, ride a Bronco are competing against each other. You sure. know, and those are the contestants. And, That's why I didn't say contestants. Effort. I said participants. But what, well, the, if by your list, there would be no sports. Now, how, what? How does that work? Because there are no sports that animals play by themselves. Do you know that for sure? Well, yeah. I think that there are cer certain um, animal Olympics. <laughs> well, there should be. But so far, oh. the only way we've been able to get them to participate is by forcing them to, which is, you know, that's, that's not sportsmanlike.
So this makes me question other ways that people interact with animals, including like all the ways we interact with animals and wondering, okay, what about like riding a horse? Just, you know, like I'm a cowboy, I'm like a buckaroo riding around right. and, you know, for transportation. Is that... Well, just let me ask you this. Did that cowboy wind up riding that horse because the horse was out walking along and the cowboy came up and said, hey, hey, I'd like to ride you. And the horse said, hey, get on. <laughs> no, it happened because the horse was captured and then broken so that its, its sense of self was so torpedoed that it would learn that it was a slave, it was a captive, and there was no hope of working outside the system or jumping out of the system that it had to do what it was told at all times. So no, riding a horse, as, again, in a situation, a hypothetical situation where a horse and a human meet and this happens, I'm all for it. It's just that, again, humans like take advantage of the fact that other humans will do dirty work for them, such as breaking horses, and then they Walk in and, hey, let me saddle up. Hey, this is so fun. And the horse loves it, too, because we have such a special relationship. What's the horse language for? Get on. <laughs> well, Climb that would be aboard. one of the things. That, well, like I said, if you listen well, and the horse is saying, oh, God, get on. So, right. You know, there are actual examples of in nature of animals riding on other animals. True, but not for that that becomes institutionalized and that it becomes something that the other animals have no, that are ridden on have no choice about. Yeah, ever see like a bird and they land on a rhinoceros right. and they're like, go left, yeah. attack. Yeah. And the rhino <laughs> obeys them. We, we don't know for sure if they're saying go left or go right. I mean, the issue isn't so much as about one kind of animal getting on another kind of animal. It's, it's a larger issue of this notion that animals are just these resources like rocks that we should do whatever we want to with. And if, if they can do certain things to entertain us, we should force them to do that and then charge each other for the access to be entertained by that. And so that is one of those things that, you know, people are kind of starting to wake up about. And um, SeaWorld is one big example, just the general decline of uh, the popularity of animal circuses, Ringling Brothers. Circuses. Um, zoos. A zoo, a circus. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people. Any kind of, were any kind of dog fighting or cock fighting. Well, I mean, yeah, seriously. The, we think of those as like beyond the pale now, but just 100 years ago, it was something oh. that you just, well, sure, that's going to go, that's going to be around forever. Flea circus. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. But well, okay. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Um, what about having pets? What no. is the thinking? Not, I don't, do you, have you ever had a pet? I have one. I have two even as we speak. Okay. So what, how is that different? Well, it depends on uh, that, where the pet, the so-called pet comes from. Uh, if you elect to go to somebody who is intentionally breeding animals and then selling them. Uh, I would say that that's something that almost all vegans reject because um, companion animals, cats and dogs principally, but you know, any kind of animal that uh, winds up being a companion in your home, um, it's, a di it's two different relationships. If A, you're paying somebody who is breeding that, that kind of animal, making more of them, so they can make money, 
and you're paying the money saying, keep doing this, this is a great idea, or it's an animal that uh, otherwise may be put to death because it's uh, been born and it's part of the population of domesticated animals, which we started. It's not the animal's fault. So it's our responsibility as, again, as a human population to look after these animals that are essentially refugees. So, so in general, as a vegan, you, you, you say you could adopt a, a pet, but don't make me a new one just for me. That's it, exactly. That's much pithier than the way I said it. I guess, for me, veganism rejects the concept that humans know what's best um, as a default. It doesn't rule it out, but it says, let's not just assume going into, into any situation that we know what's best, especially given our track record for thinking that we know what's best, doing something and screwing something up, and then thinking we know how to fix that and making it worse. And so we're now in a situation like where we may be destroying the livability of our entire planet. And so veganism says, you know, we may not be the ones who should be standing in judgment of other beings' rights or whatever, but we can decide how we want to behave and what kind of people we want to be. And that's, for me, that's what veganism is is about. It's about humans trying to uh, change ourselves and each other toward the goal of being able to li live in a just world, or at least a world that is just in terms of our contribution to it. And food is, is, is one piece of that, which we will be getting to next. That's right. The next part of Vegan Sympathizer. Boom. Welcome back to Vegan Sympathizer, yes, second sir. part of episode five, and we're finally, finally going to do this thing that I've always wanted to do, which is make some food at home using some of the vegan principles and show it to each other and e eat it. Right. Um, now, you <laughs> you kept insisting that we have to like have some kind of a theme or category. Yeah. For, Arbitrary for constraints. Make. Right. I don't know. And I was like, what? Isn't like making our specialties good enough for you? And you're like, no. We have well, to do the I didn't want to say this at the time, but the problem is that I have too many specialties. So, so you wanted to Being able it. to choose right. one, it, I, it was just not possible unless you gave us a concept. And what you said, what you finally agreed to was our, our favorite dish that is easy to describe in uh, audio format. You have- Did you follow my other rule? The, uh, yeah, what? The no pumpkin rule, that was the oh, main rule. Oh, that's right, we, that, was the, that was the top rule. I forgot about that. I, uh, well, I, yeah. well, after we after much debate, 
um, I said that rule should be just no pumpkin in the dish. Yeah. Because but you did agree to easy to describe on audio. Yeah. So if you have something that's hard to describe, I will ding you. Oh, nothing is hard to describe. But um, so so that's the only rule. It's not like a, it's not like a, a theme ingredient. It's a theme non ingredient. Right. Um, Would have been nice, but no. Okay, so let's see. Let me, let's let's right, see what you well, got. Yep. All right. Beautiful. There it is. Whoa! It's a bowl full of colorful things. It is. Tell me what. With tell a me lot what of you orange got. and black. Orange, green, orange, black, uh, yellow. No. What? What? What's? What? What is it? It's like some okay, kind of a bowl. So this is called Southwest Salad Deluxe, which you can't really see the deluxe. Well, part of the deluxe part is the cheese on the top. The orange. Uh, what, know, the bright orange is the cheese. What do you mean by cheese? Um, it's chow cheese. It's, oh, it's that fake cheese that we had before. Uh, did we have chow? I can't always keep track of those, but I think, I think so. Slices, and then you yeah, the slices and cut them into little pieces and sprinkle it on. But it's cheese that really is made out of um, uh, uh, cashews or something. It'd be good if I knew that, wouldn't it? Um, it's made, uh, yeah, one of those but, things. It's made of plants, but yeah. Okay. But and, and you, uh, what do you have in there? It looks like some edamame or. Yeah, I should say the other. Um, Give me the ingredients. The other deluxe part of it is uh, pieces of tortilla chips that I had left over that I hadn't planned to put in, but I did. Uh, which really, with the deluxe thing, if you want to make a deluxe for your uh, significant other, which is what I'm always doing every meal. You know, you get the triangular chips and arrange them around the, the bowl in a really nice way and uh, and do that. And I, I You'll see the picture. But um, well, what are the main ingredients in the spices? It's basically in? beans and rice with corn is the general concept of it. Um, although it's salad, so it, it has some base of, of green. In this case, it's savoy cabbage. I thought I was going to use spinach, but I decided the last minute to use savoy cabbage. Um because it would make a nicer visual when I put it in the bowl. So it actually doesn't have any um, edamame in it. It does have, um, what is this that looks like? Yeah. Maybe it does. You don't know what you have in your own salad? I think that was a piece of, um, that was a piece of cabbage. Um, okay. But the point is, um, you got your black beans. I mean, you start with a base of onions, garlic, garlic powder. Um, you got to have the cumin. Yeah, cilantro because you if you wouldn't make be, uh, beans and rice without cumin and cilantro. Do you do this? Do you use cold? Do you just open a can, or do you um... of beans? Yeah, yeah. And again, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm so, I recognize my privilege in living in a Western society where I can just get, you know, cooked beans in a can, um, and. So I tend to use that. We do have bags of beans. We got a lot of bags of beans at the beginning of the pandemic. Like we were going to be ready if we had to be locked down for two weeks or something. Um, but, you know, as we ran out of other things, we didn't dip into those. So we kept those. So we keep on getting canned beans. Um, but, yeah, so you, you have two cans of black beans. Uh, you put those in the onions. I put a little taco sauce in this one. Other times I've used fresh salsa. Um, okay. And uh, you mix that up. Uh, obviously, you boil some rice. I'm not going to explain to people how to boil rice, but uh, and you serve it's you eat it cold. You can, which is a good thing. But um, no, I mean I serve it. I serve it hot. And, oh, you serve it all warm. Okay. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's it is a kind of dish that does it does not depend on being hot, so it, it works very nicely. Not Do you have grain? Like any grains hot. in there? Yeah, corn is a grain and rice is a grain. So oh, I mean, okay, I, I have made it. Um, I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, what what do you mean? Because they. That... I was thinking of like the little brown <laughs> grains, like you know, like spelt or something. Quinoa. I have made, whatever. I have actually made it with quinoa. Um, okay. And let no, me just so say that you get those bowls. When I, I, I when I think about corn and rice, I don't think oh they're grains. I just think they're food. Well, beans and rice. The thing that makes beans and rice um, uh, such an excellent meal is that it's a combination of grains and protein. So yeah, yeah, getting a lot of different nutrients in one small package with a small number of ingredients. But um, whenever I make a dish, you know, I have to make sure that it has grain. Um, and some protein and some green. It has to have some green vegetable. Um, yeah. And if you just go by that kind of overarching concept, there's a almost infinite number of things you can do. And that's why I started that meal diary that I sent you just the name. Yeah. So I could keep track of, like, when was the last time that I had this or did, have we had, you know, did pasta because we also try not to have pasta more than once a week most weeks we fail but um you sent me a list of every dinner you've had since may yeah and it's october yeah so you're still like you're like the art garfunkel of dinner <laughs> oh because of april comes she will is that what you're thinking no like he published a list of every book he's ever read since 1966 or something oh okay all right. So what's what is that a is that a big production that bowl or is it how how long does it take to to, to prepare? Some chopping. You have to chop the onion and chop uh, the onion, the garlic, make, the carrots. Oh, I forgot to mention carrots. You got to put make, the carrots in when you put the onion in. So that, all right. Well, we'll put the recipe on. Uh, we'll put the recipe on on veganpositive.com. So, now, what are you bringing to the table? Ah, uh, yeah. Well. Um, I was thinking and thinking, and I thought, well, actually, Becky said uh, uh, I should stick with what I know and and my specialties that I always cook. And uh, the, the the one of the things I I, I cook a lot here is um, is a gyoza. It's a Japanese like style like dumplings um, cool. that I make, and I fry them up. Um, they're normally the recipe I make normally is ground pork with uh, cabbage. And lots of spices and stuff, and then there's like an egg in the in the filling. You mix it all together, and you put it in these little um, uh, wrappers that are like you know little ravioli wrappers, and you fold them over and you fry them, and it's just amazing. So, so you're actually making. I thought that you when you said it's a dumpling that you were getting a bag of frozen. No, no. Things, but you're actually making the dumpling. Dumpling. Well, I'm not, I'd make everything except the actual dough. I didn't make my own dough. You can buy the gyoza wrappers in these yeah. fifty packs. So they're little round things or square sometimes, like a big, like a big post-it note size thing. Um, yeah. So I, I was like, how can I make t adapt this for vegan um, and not use ground pork and not use the egg in the filling? So I was like looking at different recipes, and um, I decided I would get. Um, some mushrooms. I bought a, p a pack of these mushrooms called Baby Bells, which I think are, are another name for um, crimini, 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 crimini yeah. mushrooms. So um, I chopped those up. I, I got my Napa cabbage, which is the same cabbage, some scallions, chives, um, garlic, ginger, 
um, chopped up some carrots in a food processor, put it all in there, soy sauce, um, 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 white pepper, um, and then um, I have one secret ingredient that I wanted to make a little more nutty tasting and a little more proteiny. That um, it's a secret ingredient. This is pork. <laughs> no, but um, it's pumpkin seeds. <laughs> I real I realized that they would be breaking the no pumpkin rule. You I, set I out to break the rule after you made it. Don't talk I, with me. I I um. I got pumpkin seeds and I, I ground them into like a powder and I mixed them in. And, and anyway, the, the, the filling, um, and oh, there's this thing called five spice powder. Sure. Uh, it's got like ginger, cinnamon. Um, mm -hmm. You can get it at the grocery store. So right. the, the filling ended up tasting, oh, and, 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 and you saute all that together. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with the pork, you don't cook it first. The pork, you would just stuff it raw into the, into the, um, wrappers and then you fry and then you um then you um, kind of parboil it while it's frying and then you um you kind of um you dry it down again but in this case um i made these these beautiful looking dumplings can you see them yeah it looks very nicely made and i make this sauce which is um basically like rice vinegar uh soy sauce uh sriracha some chili garlic paste um, and some, yeah. And then yeah. it's super like hot, hot, spicy hot. And then I fried these up. I put them in. We made like 50 of these dumplings. You fry them up. They're called pot stickers, kind of. You, you fry them on one side. And sure. then um, what I do is, I don't think you're supposed to, but I flip them because I like them really crispy on both sides. Right. And then I also put the water in to boil it down because I it softens up the dough so then it can get really crispy again. Anyway. Cool. Um, so these are my, I'll call them uh, mushroom and pumpkin seed gyoza. They taste good, and I could definitely get, get used, I could definitely get used to these. Just make that every day instead of your other, you know, eating animal food. Just make it. They don't have, I do think there's something missing without the pork, but maybe that's just <laughs> like my, my um, expectations or training. Well, it's your, it's your consistent training and retraining of your mouth and your your palate, so to speak, to expect certain textures and flavors that are not intrinsically any better or more important, but they're just, they are what your mouth is used to. Now, there it's known that if you, if you cut out animal products entirely for three weeks, you will notice um, a difference in, in the flavor of things. And especially, it's mostly dairy. It's if you take dairy out because milk um, oh. The whole process of dairy being in your body is to cloud and to thicken and to make you not uh, the same effect that it has on on your your respiratory system and your brain. It just kind of gets in the way of clarity. And I definitely found this when I went vegan that um, things that I thought were kind of boring tasting. Uh, it was because I wasn't fully tasting it because my tongue was so used to having all that saturated fat on it and the salt that tends to come uh, with uh, animal products. Or you lowered your standards. That's, see, it, it's all a matter of uh, perspective, I guess.
Yeah. Well, that's the the thing. The thing that I, I realized at one of your presentations was that you know there's a lot of great tasting um, meats, animal products, cheeses, things like that. But you know, I mean, the vegans have all the all the fruits, all the vegetables, all the spices, herbs, you know, bread. You know, that's uh, so what I wanted to do with my um, recipe is use some pretty strong um, flavors and say, you know, this is not a sacrifice for me, you know, to, to sort of, I can still like, like blow my head off with, with this hot sauce and have a, a decent tasting fried dumpling, you know? Yeah. And again, and that's, uh, you know, I've, I'm sure I've told the story about cheese um, on here, but that is, I think when you're on the non-vegan side, looking at vegan eating, and vegan living as an extrapolation, it does seem like a sacrifice. It seems like, you know, if you want to live according to your own values, you have to give this up and you have to not have this thing that's so great and do without it and be deprived of it. And once you actually get there and, like, can taste things and can uh, re realize how many things that you haven't been eating because you got stuck in this rut of these particular kinds of animal foods that all of your dishes were based around, um, it really, it doesn't seem like a sacrifice at all. It just, it is something that you realize is basically just the baseline of how we should be relating. And then if you want to do things to sacrifice, if you want to give of your time and of your money and of this or that to try to do things that are actually going to deprive you of something, you can also, you can keep on trying to be more, vegan or whatever you want to call it, but just, you know, eating vegan food, really, it's so good, that it's, it's really not a sacrifice. But I know that it, for you, right now, it would be. So it's, I got to say, your your uh, commitment to, to the craft of, of cooking, I think, is certainly more noble and uh, more involved than mine, in that I, I mean, I guess for a special thing like this, I might do it, but I would usually not choose to, for example, if I were having something that were a dumpling, like pierogies, I'm not going to sit there and make pierogies, uh, gnocchi or, or any of those things that involve stuffing things into... Uh, it takes a long time. There are three distinct parts of this process. The first one is is prep, prepping, chopping all the, all the carrots, all the other vegetables, yeah, um, the mushrooms and all that. Then the stuffing of the dumplings, it takes a it takes a long time, and and it takes like half an hour. And then the frying is is a whole batch of them, is like any time you've made, you know, pancakes for for a, a group. You know, it just keeps coming. You just keep having to process them. Right. Um, well, yeah. So uh, let's do. Let's make more stuff, you know, in the future, and, and we'll put some recipes on the website, and um, and maybe not just these two. Well, I guess that wraps up another episode <laughs> of Vegan Sympathizer. That was episode five. Yeah, and here I am wrapping <laughs> up my Southwest salad. So the momentum continues. Yeah, um, we'll be back with another episode, and um, check out the website and. Um, Try the recipes and click on like or something. And remember to do one other thing, which is to go vegan. In case, in case they would forget. Okay. Otherwise. All right.
did we forget anything? Uh, I don't think so. But since you uh, since you started off, you know, with the beginning announcement, I insist that, that my go vegan get to be the last thing. Gingerbread almonds and rice milk for your corn flakes. Asparagus, artichokes, apricot pepper, pineapple, and carrot cake. Banana, biscotti, sorbet, manicotti, and raisin and strawberry waffle. Tomatoes, potatoes, gazpacho, and nachos, alfalfa, fennel, and falafel. Just cooking a buckle of a cucumber, sesame, chili, and chutney, and cherries. And chickpeas, cilantro, palenta, pimento, pistachio, pesto, and blueberries. There's peaches and apples and nectarines. Cornbread and cabbage and collard greens. And lentils and pintos and navy beans. And lemons and tangerines. With so many treats to eat complete. It's sweet to eat. Why bother to have a Grapes, avocados, and dates, peanut butter, and raspberry jam. A rope, guacamole, granola, stromboli, chibouli, and coleslaw, and yams. There's mangoes, tamales, oatmeal, macadamias, marzipan, tea, cauliflower, and mint macaroni, miso, minestrone, french onion, and sweet hot and sour.